0: You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. We worship you, Adonai. We lift your name on high. You are worthy of our praise. It belongs to no one else but you. You have overcome. You who has overcome. You will bring our worship today, Captain, the captain of the host above. We worship your holy name, Lord Jesus Christ. With you in front, we are confident of victory. As we open your word today, Lord Jesus, illuminate our hearts. Let the entrance of your word truly bring illumination to our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, reorientate us. By your word, by your word. Lord, let our ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In the name of Jesus Christ, speak to us. Leader, lead us, guide us unto victory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus. It's a brand new moment. And I'm excited to bring you the word of God today. I trust that you are doing good. And that you are being kept well. Greater is He who is in us than he that is in the world. By Him we have victory already. And I pray that that victory will be made manifest corporately and personally in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Without wasting time, I just want to fire on right into what we have for today. And this is a continuation where we started last, uh, last week. We started teaching on the army of God. And last week was about the recruitment of people into that army. Does was established that that army has a celestial division. That is, angelic beings, the host above. Spirit of just men made perfect. But it also has the earthly or terrestrial division, which is the church. And every member of the church is called to join this army. Why? Because we established that a war is going on. That was started long ago as we speak it's still raging and that war will continue until the Lord himself will come and vanquish the enemy and we arrest the ultimate culprits and put them where they belong. Until then the war will still continue and if we do not know this too bad because many fall casualties. Daily daily soldiers fall without even knowing why they fall or what's going on. We fall as a body as a troop we fall as individuals, we fall. As families, we fall. Because many of us have not taken cognizance of what is happening right around us. So today we go on to another aspect of this grand theme on the army of God. And today our topic is strategy above weapons. Strategy above weapons. Whenever we hear of war, many things come to our mind. But usually, one of the last things that come to our mind is strategy strategy in fact we think a lot about who the enemy is and many of us have turned ourselves to advocates of the enemy in fact we know more about the enemy than we know about our army its purpose its methods its weapons and its leader so we lose focus you know when you're doing strategy for those who are familiar with um, strategy development and uh, things like that, of course, you do things like your scanning, your environmental scanning, and then you zero in on yourself. You try to identify your weaknesses, your strengths, your opportunities, your threats. You do all that to know what your resources are, to know what your competitive advantages are, and things like that that we do in business school. The same is applicable because, of course, what you learn in business school it didn't come from it didn't come from space. It came from knowledge that is already existent, and all that knowledge is in this book, called the Bible. And God has given it to us as resources, but we don't pay attention. So today, our strategy is to pay attention to strategy for winning the world that we've come inside not as individuals, because this is a mistake we make. We formulate individual strategies for a corporate battle. We are not going to win. We need to start first from the corporate strategy for the body of Christ. And then we we derive our church or denominational strategies, our departmental strategies, our unit strategies. Then our Family strategies. Our personal strategies. In line with the overarching strategy. We know well about the enemy. But we don't know ourselves. And we don't know our strategies. Maybe I should mention some of these enemies. I'm sure we know all too well. So I'm not going to dwell on them. Perhaps God will open our eyes to see one or two other things about these enemies. You know we have been told. That there are three primary enemies, and thanks to the fathers of faith, who have taught us this over the years. The first enemy, of course, the Bible calls him the arch enemy, the main enemy of man. Of course, the enemy of God too is Satan, devil, whatever name you want to call him, devil, Satan is the greatest enemy of man. You see in the book of First Peter chapter five, verse eight, Bible warns us because of this enemy. It says, be sober, be vigilant. For the enemy, your enemy, the devil, is going round, moving round, seeking whom he might devour. Be sober, be vigilant. Don't get carried away. You are a soldier. Be sober, be vigilant. A missile might be coming. Bible speaks concerning this same enemy in the book of Second Corinthians. If you go to the 4th um, chapter and start reading from the 3rd the verse, Paul the Apostle, the writer of this epistle was speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You see, it's beginning to build up something. He said, a weapon we have is the gospel. Huh? It's the power of God to save. Is this weapon we have is the gospel. And will we come to weapons next week or next two weeks, We'll come to weapons so I'm not oblivious of the importance of weapons but strategies are greater than weapons and that's why we've got to pound this strategy item very well and do it very clearly in verse 4 it says in whom the God of this world that is Satan has blinded the minds of them which believe not so the weapon that Satan the God of this world uses To fight against the gospel is that it doesn't attack the gospel only. It goes to blind the minds of people who are supposed to hear the gospel. As long as they are blind, you know, in biology, you're blind or you don't see. If light cannot enter into your eyes and it cannot be reflected, we see the world because light enters into our eyes. Imagine if you walk into a room that is pitch black. Not that your eyes are not functioning. You are not going to see anything. Why? Because there is no light entering your eyes. Even though there may be valuables in that room. Because there is no light entering your eyes. You are not going to see it. So it does exactly the same thing to unbelievers. It blinds their eyes. So that they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Who is the image? That is, that is the object they should see. Remember in optics, we have the object, the image. So God is our object. eh? But the reflection of that object is Christ. Because as you see Christ, you see God. He was speaking to his disciples in John chapter 8. He said, if you see the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I'm a reflection of him. I'm an embodiment of him. So the Bible says, the devil has blinded people. So that they should not see the gospel of Christ. Who is the image of God? and then should shine unto them so he blinds them he deceives them he enters into them a rush of darkness remember when the bible said satan entered into judas you see when he tries to to stop you from doing the will of god he presents to you an alternative and the bible said as satan entered into him of course the end was destruction he passed in the middle he leaped through his death but Satan is not our only enemy. He has created a system called the world. The world is our enemy also. But without Satan, the system called the world would be non-existent. So that's why Satan is actually the enemy. If you go to the book of First John chapter 2, the Bible says from verse 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You see, those who didn't listen to this advice, they go down for it. All of them went down for it. You remember our brother, the very first king of Israel, his name was Saul. God took him from nowhere and made him a king. The Bible said he would not pay attention to God. God said, don't disobey me. Kill everything in Amalek. Our brother saw some beautiful things, some beautiful items, some beautiful people. He decided to spare them he loves the world the lust of the eyes he saw beautiful things and of course he thought he could hide it and say lord i kept them to serve he said no you don't use disobedience to serve me i already warned you of course he spiraled down from one act of disobedience to one act another act of disobedience he was supposed to wait for samuel the prophet in order to Make an offering before he would go into battle. But he felt pressured by the people. Social media was pressurizing him. And he said, I don't want these people to unfollow me. So he went ahead and did what he was not supposed to do. And after he did it, even when the judgment came, he was still begging the prophet. He said, I know God has rejected me. But please honor me before these people. We seek so much honor before the people. We don't care if we still have honor before the Lord. He went down, lost of the eyes pride of life he waits down for it the world system still as potent but i bet you it's not as potent as this next enemy called the flesh oh my god or self you see this one is the most difficult to deal with among these enemies and i'm speaking from personal experience too the bible is very clear about it in fact paul the apostle struggled with it who shall deliver me from this flesh who he but thanks be to Christ. Who gives us the victory? Thanks be to Christ. Because this enemy is you. This enemy is me. How do I fight me? How do you fight you? The desires we have, they lead us into a system of the world orchestrated by Satan. And of course, the end is death. So the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, if you go to, verse, uh, start from verse 16. The Bible says in verse 16. It says. That walk. Not in the flesh. No don't do it. He said, then I say walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust. Of the flesh. Why verse 17. It says for the flesh. lusts against the spirit. That is there is a fight. There is an ongoing battle. Between the flesh and the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are. Contrary the one to the other, so that he cannot do the things that you would. And for as long as the flesh wins, death is the result. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. He said, If you continue to work very hard in the industry of flesh, he said, your salary at the end of the month, your upfront at the beginning of the next year, he said it's going to be a fat salary called death. This is the only way it works. The Bible speaks about death as an enemy too. And most times we don't include this as an enemy. Go with me to the book of um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go to verse 26. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Yes, that's it. The Bible says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. This verse, I love this verse so much because it's so short and it says a lot. When it says the last enemy, means there is a first. There are probably others. So this is the last of the enemy. So death indeed is also an enemy. Like Satan, like world, like self or flesh. Death is an enemy. The Bible says the last enemy that shall be put to death, that shall be done with, that shall be destroyed, is death itself. It said, for he has put all things under his feet. All things under the feet of Christ. He has victory over that, and of course, he proved that victory. The Bible told us about how Jesus Christ overcame death. If you if you flip back a bit, the same chapter. If you start from verse twenty, the Bible says, "But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of death that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah! Glory to Jesus." This scripture is teaching us something said, see, death came through the sin of one man, Adam, and but life, even the resurrection from death, came through Jesus Christ, who became the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as all in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall we be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, after what they that are Christ and he's coming, hallelujah, glory to Jesus. He's saying, we have hope, we have hope to overcome all these enemies, Satan, because Jesus overcame him. Remember the battle in Matthew 4, in Luke 4, in Mark 4. Jesus overcame the devil. He overcame the world. He said, the prince of this world came to me and he got nothing on me, he got nothing on me. He overcame flesh, he overcame himself in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, not by will, but yours. Although my flesh is weak and I would rather say, Lord, can we not find another method to do this? He said, but not my will, but yours be done. And of course, the Bible says in this same First Corinthians 15, if you go down to 57, I don't have time to read. The Bible says, "Death, where is your victory? <laughs> Jesus overcame it. On the third day, he rose from the dead. Showing us an example. That we also have what it takes to overcome these enemies. But Jesus didn't want to do it all by himself, for himself alone. He did it for himself and to open to us a vista of opportunities to do this same thing for ourselves. To overcome Satan, overcome the world, overcome self, overcome death. But not only us. See what the Bible says. It's a false fruit, meaning that the expectation, the expectation of Christ is that indeed there will be many more fruits People like him who will walk in victory over death. And this now leads to the big picture. The big picture. What is the big picture about Jesus coming to die? About the gospel? What is the big picture? If we don't get the big picture, we will major on the minor and get ourselves into a lot of trouble. Because we will start chasing tactics that are not coherent. That do not speak to the big picture. This is what the devil has managed to get the church to be doing for centuries. Brethren, please listen. I feel very strongly that by this message, the Lord is speaking to his body. I don't know who you are today listening. You are a youth. Please listen passionately. You are a fellowship leader. Please listen passionately. You are a worker. Please listen passionately. Because you will understand why you work the way you work. And why you should work the way you should work. You will understand. You are a pastor. You are a leader. Whatever your title. You are a mother. You are a father. Please listen. You are a child. You are a teenager. You are youth. Please listen. You are new to the faith. You are older than the faith. Please listen. Because the Lord will be speaking to us. What is this big picture? Why should Christ go through all this trouble of going to the cross? He could have just said something and saved us but he went through this. Why did he go through that? It's a colonization agenda. The agenda of God is that he will replicate Christ upon the earth. That way the dominion that was lost by man will be restored to man. Through Christ The man sent by God, the son of God, God himself who became flesh. To show us an example, an evangelization of the world, a transformation of cosmos. This is the big picture. To populate the world with the influence, the values, the essence of God big idea is to establish God's kingdom right here on earth that as it is in heaven so should it be on earth the earth populated by Christ of course through those who have come to submit themselves to the reign of the Christ who have become subject to the person of Christ to the values of Christ to the ethos of Christ of course exhibiting the power of Christ The wisdom of Christ. The riches of Christ. The honor of Christ. This is the big picture. To create a people, a system that is in sync with heaven. That is an extension of the kingdom of God. You can call it alien invasion. But this idea is to populate the world with people in whose life Christ dwells. In whose heart Christ dwells. In whose mind Christ dwells. And of course, let's go um, to Philippians chapter 2. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Very popular scriptures. Start with me from 9 to 11. We quote this a lot. Please pay attention to it as I read it. The Bible says, wherefore, of course, it was talking about the mode of entry. This honor level of the highest esteem possible for any man. It says, wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that is an identity which is above every name that at the name he didn't say mention at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father this is a big picture he said the reason I'm exalting Christ of course something he merited through the pathway of humility is one that the reign of Christ will be established not only in heaven not only in heaven he says also of the things in us and guess what of the things under the earth and there is a civilization under the earth it says this is the whole idea and at every tongue anyone that can speak anyone that can vocalize something anyone that can express something whatever it is they are expressing it will be the lordship of Christ to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father this is what the Father wants go with me to um, Psalms 110 Psalms 110. The Bible says in verse 1. It says, just a minute. Let me look for it. Psalm 110. Just a minute. Let me, let me open it. I'd like to read this. Okay. I'm there. Bible says, the Lord that is God the almighty said unto my Lord that is Jesus sit down at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool the Lord shall send the road out of the strength of Zion rule thou in the midst of thine enemies Listen, rule thou in the midst of thy enemies thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power some passage says in the days of your power, your people will be volunteers. That is, you will have people who will serve you willingly, not grudgingly, not painfully, not with complaint. They ask you to come to church to sweep, you complain. They say, oh, we have a Jesus rally, we are marching all through the streets or through there, you complain. They are stressing us. They say, let's come to pray. We have a program. Let's come to pray. Let's come to plan. Let's contribute. You say they are stressing us. Mm-mm. He said, in the days of his power, when the people understand the rule of the Christ, he said, they will be volunteers. They will say, please enroll me. We will say, oh, we have enough. They say, please, I don't mind if the only assignment left is to swim the toilets. I don't mind. I want to serve in this army. The people will be volunteers in the days of his power. And they will serve in their beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the deal of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. After the order of Melchizedek. Speaking about the same things that we have read before. This plan was asked long, long time ago. Long time ago. It didn't start with the appearance of Jesus. No. The incarnation of Jesus was just a continuation of... And in the implementation of the plan that was created long before the world began, the Bible says uh, in verse 24 of the book of First Corinthians, chapter 15, that we began to read earlier, it says, There cometh the end, that is, the end will not come yet until this has happened. And what is this that must happen when he, that is Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God? You see what we read in Psalm um, 110 from 1 to 4 just now. This is what he's talking about. He says, Then come at the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he has put out all enemies under his feet. Remember Psalm 110. Then the last enemy that shall be destroyed is that, for he has put all things under his feet, hallelujah glory to Jesus so having understood this big picture which fits into something that we teach in strategy uh, discipline you know I was speaking earlier about the strategy discipline where we create strategy and the first thing we normally do after doing step one which is articulating the big picture or what you call the strategic intent we mention that the intent of Christ the intent of God for sending Christ and for bringing the gospel is to populate the world with the influence of Christ with the values of Christ with the essence of Christ to make the earth an extension of the kingdom of God so that as it is in heaven it shall be so on earth if this is the strategic intent God, master strategist the next thing it does is to say, What are my guiding principles? What will be the reasons for the strategic choices I will then make after doing this articulation of the strategic intent? What will be the strategic guiding principles that I will apply? Of course, my word. So he will go back to his word. Who am I? I'm a god who loves righteousness, I love judgment. I love mercy. I love love. I am love. Remember, all these things played out from the beginning of the world, even right now. When Adam and Eve were put in the garden, God is not a lawless God. He gave them rules to discern what is right from what is wrong. And this is the problem I have with people who say there is no God. You know, I I enjoy having very deep conversations with a friend and colleague with whom we shared some thoughts on this same subject in the course of the week. How can you say you don't believe in any God? Just tell me you believe in stones, you believe in tree, you believe in water, whatever. But don't tell me you believe in no God. Because that way, I don't know what you're going to do next. What determines morality for you? How do you choose what is right and what is wrong? Then I can't trust what you will do next. Because one moment you are that guy who defends the universe. The next moment you are that guy that stops the universe. As long as it fits your logic. So God is not like that. And neither should his children be like that. In the kingdom of God. There are things that are right. There are things that are not right. Read your Bible. You will see from the beginning to the end. Even when Jesus was... Uh, living and giving the great commission he said teach them to do everything that i have told you teach them to observe it to follow my commands even jesus christ said you can't do as you like i have the commands that you have to follow there are things you need to observe that I've taught you I've taught you how not to pray I've taught you how not to fast I've taught you to love your enemies I've taught you to heal the sick I've taught you to do this and that to do charity he said all self distance there are things that are right there are things that are not right so one of the core guiding principles of God is righteousness so he told Edomani, you can eat this if you do eat it something will happen to you there will be judgment you shall die the day you violate this you shall die they wanted to test the damage just the way our children do daddy said if you do this i will beat you they want to try it will daddy beat me or not beat me can i negotiate my way out of it if they do next time you tell them to do something else they will beat you to it because they know that you are just so much air nothing to punch so much of a back nothing to bite so the moment man said i don't know what he was thinking oh God will wave it no he won't wave it there's something called the judgment of God I know as God's children we like only to think about the mercy of God yes I know there is mercy but there is judgment the Bible says it's a terrible thing fearful thing to fall into the hands of the almighty God a terrible thing why? this God is a consuming fire oh yes he's God I know you have been told he's love and yes he is he doesn't change the fact that he's love but there is a terrible side of God the judgment of God how do you explain how God told Moses don't beg me on this matter I have told you because you violated that instruction you will see Canaan you will not enter same God same God don't let me go that route today but there is another guiding principle apart from righteousness and judgment of course is a principle of mercy so after God judged them Adam and Eve and he placed curse on humanity and he cursed the earth the Bible said, God looked and said, this man is in trouble. Look at him. He has lost his glory. There was a clothing on him before this sin. That clothing was called glory. Even though he could not see it, it was all over him. And even though we don't see that glory covering us too, it's all over us. Only when we sing, we then find out we are naked. Why? The glory is gone. Ichabod, the glory is departed. And because the glory was departed, man tried to go and look for leaves. To cover. God said, this covering will not cover you. No. It will not cover you. God said, I would rather clothe you. And there is a difference between covering and clothing. He said, I would rather clothe you. So he got an animal, slew the animal, and with the skin of the animal, clothed them. By mercy, clothed them. By mercy, chase them out of the garden. Because if he didn't do that, they would live forever. Of course, they would find a way of going to eat from the tree of life. And live forever under the curse. And the redemption plan might be thwarted. But thanks be to God for his mercy. He put them out to put in force the strategy for the salvation of man. The the grand plan for the redemption of man. Through Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. So he began to unveil that. Through Christ. And then. He went to the next phase in strategy development. After strategic intent was formulated. After going through his guiding principles. And said what method do we need to deploy to save man? He said that method is called love. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him. Should not perish. But have eternal life. So he launched Christ. In the fullness of time to go implement that strategy through those actionable steps and of course the incarnation of Christ he was born like a man of a woman he was born and he began to establish a movement called the church you remember in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus was asking his disciples who do men say I am and they said all sorts of things and he told to them who do you say I am and for the first time there was a a revelation of the person of Christ to Peter and he said you are Christ you are the Messiah the Son of God Jesus said whoa this is a eureka moment flesh and blood has not revealed this to you he said you are Peter on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not tri- triumph over it the gates of hell shall not prevail over it meaning he's saying I'm going to create a movement it's an actionable step I'm going to create a movement called the church the church to become a force, a movement that will continue to prevent the incursion of hell into the world. But we rather attack the gate of hell and push back the frontiers of hell. Until hell is so depopulated that the whole cosmos submit to the rulership, the leadership, the government of heaven. So he launched the church, of course with what we call the Great Commission go into all the world and make ye disciples of all nations teaching them to do and observe the things I have taught you baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost and he gave us that commission today I don't even know what to call it what Christ gave us as a great commission I think somehow it has either become the great omission or the great confusion why because the church today that he sets. To implement the agenda of the evangelization of the world, sometimes I think we are doing everything else apart from that. So we are in this field, we are in that field, we are doing this, and many of the things we do are good and noble. Oh yes, fantastic! In fact, they are notable. Of course, we get awards for doing them. Not nothing, nothing says we shouldn't do them. It's just like a company. So if all I do as a company is csr I'm going to fail. My corporate objective, my corporate strategic intent should be in my core. It should be the core of my business. It should be what I set up my departments, my divisions, my directorates to implement to execute. Of course, in the process of doing this because uh, I am operating in a territory there is a host community called herds I must do some CSR. But my mission is not CSR. No. If I get it wrong, I will fail as an organization. And this is why we don't deal with respect. We have not made as much impact as we should. Given the resources at the disposal of the church. We are omitting the great commission. Many times it has become a great confusion. Because we don't even know what the commission of the church is everybody starts this year starts that year how come there are so many churches on earth and the earth cannot fill us how does the earth fill the church two things through light through salt Matthew chapter 5 he said you are the salt of the earth he started with salt first You get why you are the salt of the earth he said but if you misbehave and you lose your saltiness the qualities that makes you distinct he said you will become something to be trodden upon. By the feet of men, they will trash you and they will walk on you as is happening today. Could it be that this is an indication that we have lost our saltiness? We have lost our focus. We have derailed from purpose. We have taken our eyes off the big picture. We are no longer looking at the strategy. We are looking at personal, corporate, regional and sentimental interests at the detriment are the big picture the strategic intent of god will fight and turn to one another we have turned what we do to religion we've forgotten why we are here when strategy is not clear many bad things can happen so just can begin to turn weapons against each other as we do today we now turn our weapons against each other in fact we coach our battalions and i speak this respectfully to leaders of church I speak this respectfully to leaders of department I speak this respectfully to leaders of families we turn one another against one another and begin to divide one another if a man of god falls you are the first to celebrate it if a man of god makes mistake you are the first to amplify it no if another believer falls you are the first to publish it no why must you go to social media and create a buzz around it you are chasing clouds against a fellow soldier you're getting it wrong sir you're getting it wrong friend you're getting it wrong when strategy is not clear our motivation and our attitude to this work becomes challenged I mentioned earlier sometimes they ask us to do things in the kingdom we complain we are grumbling why you don't see how what you contribute fits into the big picture you don't see it you don't know that you're sweeping the floor it's helping to evangelize the world. It's helping to bring the kingdom of God to the world. You don't see. As long as you see sweeping the floor, as doing the pastor a favor, you are going to get it drunk. Because the day the pastor is in a bad mood, it's going to affect you. The day that you are not celebrated for the, being the best sweeper in church, there will be a problem. The day that you are not called out and given a plaque and a award, given some money, and I hear that they pay some people now to work for the Lord, to serve the Lord. because we don't understand how what we do fit into the big picture so we come into it as mercenaries people who want to fight only to be paid you will get paid you will get paid but you lose your place in the big picture because you are not part of the big picture you are a higher limb when strategy is not clear the lives of soldiers will be wasted because we the generals if we don't understand how to even direct the people, how to align the people, how to create formation, you know in an army, there are different kinds of people. I've read my Bible. You will see sometimes, uh, some people are archers. They have bows and arrows. They go in front. They just say they shoot their bows and arrows before people with swords come, before fighters on foot come, before those who are on chariots come, before those who have their ballistic missiles come. You don't all rushing at once. It's a strategy. It's got to be coordinated. Because of lack of coordination. We go anyhow. The enemy is wasting us. Do you know how many soldiers have gone down? Do you know how many battalions, churches are closed? Why? Because we don't understand strategy. We are fighting without first thinking. We think we are here only to behave as robots and zombies. No, we are not zombies. We have the mind of Christ. We must deploy it into battle. And the execution of our war. When we don't understand strategy. Our planning. Will not happen. When it does happen it will be weak. Because it will be myopic. We are not seeing the big picture. It doesn't sync with the big picture. It is disconnected from the big picture. So it achieves exactly nothing. And there are things in scriptures that the body of Christ should embark on should implement if we have a chance as a body and today I'm teaching corporate strategy if we have a chance as a body to defeat the enemies Satan to defeat the world to defeat the flesh and to ultimately defeat death does the Bible give us a guidance? oh yes talk with me to the book of Numbers Numbers chapter 2 Are you surprised? No, don't be. It's not a new strategy. It's been there all along. We have just not paid attention. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Lord Jesus, open our eyes to see this. Oh Lord Jesus, let it enter into the mind of the leaders. That we will see these wars differently. These battles we have to fight, that we will see differently. In the name of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Numbers chapter 2. I'll read a number of verses. It's a very long read. I'm not going to read everything. I'll just point us to patterns. Because there are patterns in this book. The Bible says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. You know who the Lord is. Hmm? The Bible says in Exodus chapter 15 verse 3. It says, And the Lord is a man of war. So he's not a novice when it comes to war. He's a man of war. He understands the art of war. I'm not talking about the book Art of War I'm talking about the fact That there is an art of war And this God understands it He understands it So the Lord said to Moses Who was the general in front The overseer of the army of God Why? Because Israel was the army of God So God The commander of the angel And terrestrial armies Spoke to the general of the terrestrial armies And the Lord spoke to Moses And Aaron Say one verse two. Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by the standard. Please, I will rush through to read a few verses. I need to pay attention to watch out for patterns because there are patterns as I read. Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard beside the emblems of his father's house. On the line, father's house. They will camp beside the emblems, that is, the flags of their father's house underline father's house in your bible they shall come some distance from the tabernacle of meeting on the east side on the line east side towards the rising of the sun those of the standard of the forces with judah shall come according to their armies according to their armies according to their armies And nation the son of Amminadab, shall be the leader understand and underline the, the word leader leader of the children of judah and his army was numbered at 74,600. Underline numbered. His army was numbered. This is one block. You will see the repetition of this block every single paragraph until you reach the end of this. And for illustration I will read the next two. Verse 5. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Issachar. And Nathaniel, the son of Zua shall be the leader of the children of Issachar, and his army was numbered at 54,400 then comes the tribe of Zebulun and Elia the son of Elon shall be the leader of the children of Zebulun and his army was numbered at 57,400 and all who were numbered according to the armies of the forces of Judah 186,400 these shall break camp first on the line these shall break camp first these shall break camp first if you go to the next paragraph it says on the south side you know before we saw east side we see south side if you keep going you see verse 18 you see on the west side if you go to verse 25 you see on the north side please follow me follow me there's a reason I'm reading this long the Bible clearly here says three things and I see very clearly. The strategy for winning every and any battle that the church will have to face. These are the three basic building blocks of the strategies. If you like, these are the strategic themes that we must pay attention to. What is number one? Number one strategic theme is that we must develop along specializations. Somebody say, Along specializations. Yes. God is saying to Moses. These people. They will gather. According to their father's house. They will have a flag. They will rally around that flag. According to their father's house. So. What does this mean? Number one. It means that we are not called to do the same things. hmm We are called to do specific things towards the same big picture of what evangelization. As a body of Christ, we are not all called to do the same thing. Don't get it wrong. Within this body, see it as an army. Hmm? See this body as an army. See different battalions or artilleries. See um, different divisions. The first division, the uh, so-called division. trained differently. To do different things towards winning this war together. So some are archers; they are trained to use bow and arrow. Some are swordsmen; they are trained to use the sword. Some they only know how to hurl catapults. Some they know how to hurl stones or missiles. Their trainings are different. We are not all the same. No, there are specializations, and each specialization, as a father. There is a father for each house. Are you following me? Please follow me. So the question is. Do you know the father of your house? Do you know your specialization? In this army. Because we are dressed differently. We are equipped differently. We are built differently. So that we can fight together. Against the common enemies. But we are different. Our trainings are different. Some are naval officers in this army. Some are combatants on the ground. Some are in the air force. Don't make the mistake of thinking we are all the same. No. Some are trained to fight in the air. Some are trained to fight on the water. Some are amphibians. They can fight on land and on water. It's their training. Don't envy others. That have other gifts and specializations. Other talents and graces. Don't envy them. We need everybody. But. Do you know the fathers. Of those specializations. Do you look like your father. I don't have time. I would have. Gone deeper in this. But Lord help me. Lord help me. You see. Each house must look like his father. So the first thing is to know who your father is. And there are different families in this body of Christ. Different families. <laughs> there are those who major in one thing, than those who major in another thing. Identify your father. But even if you don't know who your father is, at speaking today in today's dispensation of the church, forget it. Look at the Bible. Do you know that we have fathers or what we call elders in scriptures? People who have gone ahead of us in their areas of specialization that we should emulate. Do you know? Ah, Lord Jesus. Okay, let me make an attempt. Even if this is where I stop today, God help me. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says from verse 1. And I know we know this passage very well. But may God open your eyes to something else today. He said, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We got this. We skip verse 2 of what it means. Verse 2 says, For by it, that is, for by faith, for by being in this faith, for by exhibiting the character of faith, the character of Christ. He said, For by it, the elders underline elders obtained a good testimony, and it's a good report. And then he went on to now start naming the elders. In fact, I counted some of the elders until I could not count anymore. I counted up to 17. Then, after 17, he mentioned different people. He mentioned uh, uh, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. Yes, Sarah, Elder, Elder, Sarah. <laughs> He mentioned Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Elder Joseph, Elder Moses. He mentioned Joshua without mentioning his name in verse 20. In verse 30, he said, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. We know he was speaking about Joshua. Then he mentioned Rahab, Elder Rahab. You know who Rahab was? Rahab was a street woman. Elder Rahab? Wow. He goes on to mention Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. David Samuel and he now grouped the remaining elders. He said and the prophets, so the prophets too were elders. Just like Leah, the street woman. Just like Gideon, the soldier. If you look through this, you will see these are all elders. That is leaders of specializations in the body of Christ. These are their prophets. We see here there were some farmers. Did you observe? They were farmers in, in the list of elders. I don't know if these are some of the 24 elders that are bowed with I don't know. There may be more because after 17, he just grouped the rest and mentioned them as prophets and then mentioned some other people without mentioning their names and talked about what they did. They coined the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They you know, did all sorts of things. They stopped the mouth of lions. We know he was talking specifically about Daniel the elder. But we see different specializations and he grouped all of them. All of them, regardless of their personality, their approach, their results, their results. So some of the elders, when they lay hands on you, you fall under the anointing and you are there for five hours. He said, but some of the elders, they don't have that capacity. They don't have that kind of results. They are farmers, but they are still elders. Tell me where Isaac opened the eyes of the blind. Was he not an elder? Oh, tell me where John the Baptist did a miracle. The Bible said, John did no miracle. <laughs> The day I read that in my Bible My life changed Or now I saw ministry He said John did no miracle But everything he said about this man, Jesus He said was the truth He was a man of truth He was not a man of miracles He was an elder Jesus himself affirmed it He said of all men born by women There is no greater than John the Baptist An elder that did no miracle So he said farmers are elders Abel was a farmer Isaac, Jacob Farmers they were elders. He said they were elders. This, is sick. this one shocked me. He put Sarah here as an elder. So a mother was an elder, a leader of specialization. He said there are some who will not wear the collar, like Pastor Jenkins. No, they will wear the collar. He said they will do their work of eldership, of leadership at home as mothers. They will raise godly children. They will mentor godly boys that will become men in the future, that will shape the society. They will raise godly women that will be virtuous women that will take the kingdom for Christ. They will be mothers, but they will be elders. Their calling will be found in marriage. So they must marry rights. They must be chaste. They must know the scriptures like the rest of us. Of course, everybody needs to take the general courses, prayer, the word of God, evangelizing. He said, but some will have specialization at home. Their ministry will be in the kitchen. Their ministry will be on their knees, praying and interceding for nations. In correcting people. So each time they carry their belts to discipline a child, he said they are doing the work of the leader of the specialization. We see some of the elders were institutions. You say, ah, Pastor Jenkins has started. Where are you seeing institutions? Oh, not every man is a man. Some men, systems institutions he mentioned here Abraham Abraham is not just a man Uh -uh. don't make that mistake Abraham was the progenitor of a lineage he was how do I say this he was a system in Abraham were many realities that included the lineage of Christ Abraham was someone who carried covenants the Bible called him the friend of God not every man is a friend of God the one who stood and negotiated with God of Samuel. If you read Jeremiah chapter Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 1 God's speaking. And you know this is how you know where some people who are system. God said God was angry with the children of Israel. He said see if you like go and bring Samuel and Moses and let them come and beg me. Say I will not hear. These are not mere men. Lord Jesus help me. Moses, Samuel, they were systems. They 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 they, they modeled something that was beyond their generation. They emotion something from which other people will come and pick bits and pieces. Moses, Moses was a god, God himself called him that. He said, I'll make you a god to Pharaoh, and I'll make Aaron your prophets. He was, he was not a, a regular human being. No, he was not. Elders, David was a system, David was an institution. He was not just a soldier, a service, a king. He was an institution. Bible says, The man who is after God's heart a man after my heart it was a system it was an institution but see God called him an elder oh God called some politicians elders so any of us politics Joseph was there huh? did you see Joseph there did you see Daniel there public servants elders so some of us will be in public service as elders in the marketplace don't diminish us don't say we are not anointed just because we do a 9 to 5 job don't make that mistake. There are elders in this lineage. Oh, we've seen certain elders. They are leaders of church. Yes, they are in the marketplace. And they are leading nations. Making policy decisions that change the landscape of nations. Technocrats, diplomats, elders. He didn't distinguish them from prophets. All were elders. Some were soldiers. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Joshua. They were elders. Some were Sammites, David. Today, every one of us, we want to die there on the mountain of singing. You think the only way you can do ministry is by becoming and staying as a psalmist. No, there are many other things. It's one of the specializations. It's not the only specialization. The prophetic, the apostolic is not the only specialization. It's one of the specializations. The church must be deliberate in grooming soldiers for each mountain of influence. That's where the battle is taking place not only on the mountain of religion you know some some of god's servants who have gone ahead of us they've thought extensively on this topic if you remember leon uh, cunningham member of the youth uh, with the mission and uh, bill bright of the campus crusade for christ they first uh, began to you know show to the body of christ the revelation that they got from the lord on these seven mountains of influence that is the things that shape impact and influence upon the earth and they taught us many things of course religion is one of the mountains of influence and this is the mistake we make we think religion is the only mountain of influence, it is good that you become anointed or it is good that you serve the lord but that's not all if that's all we do to create influence on the earth, keep on waiting we are going to waste our time Why? Because there is somebody else sitting on another mountain that will scatter all the work you're doing. We have been praying and praying and praying. We will pray and we open our eyes and go and choose somebody wrong to become leader. And then we'll go back to the prayer house and begin to pray. Lord, change Nigeria, change Nigeria. Where were we when they were choosing the leaders? What did we do? Did we groom people? Oh, we didn't have any candidates. We didn't have someone who could stand up not as a partisan representative of the church, but as someone who is ready to lead cosmos, to do the will of God. We have nobody. I was listening to, to something I read somewhere about the um, president-elect of Kenya. And he stood his girl, they asked him, will you crack down on homosexuality? I said, yes, in Kenya, in, in Kenya we, we don't take nonsense. We, there's no space for this because this is our value this is what we stand for you have a right to do what you stand for but I have a right to do what we stand for and you should not label me because I don't believe in what you believe in you should not label me but he had to stand his ground and he can do that in his capacity as incoming president there are other mountains friends there is a mountain of family where we sow the seed of tomorrow's society where we nurture those seeds into plants where they begin to bring fruit of the peace and righteousness that exalts a nation but we we, we, we we shy away from it we shy away from it as a church our leaders we have to be deliberate in galvanizing and creating specializations in these areas I've mentioned governments God's people and the agenda of God can be thwarted. just one policy say no more gathering of churches, it has happened before in this nation. Five months we are told church did not gather. Do you know how many people backslid during that five months? Do you know how many of our sisters got pregnant out of wedlock during that lockdown? Do you know how many people have still not recovered today? Like two years after, they have not recovered. Their spiritual life has gone comatose. They have gotten used to only online, only online. They will they have not gone to physical church. I know people who have not gone to physical church 10 times since the. Uh, lockdown was lifted. They got used to it. Am I saying technology should not be adopted? Of course not. We must embrace and adopt technology. But we must not jettison the benefits of face-to-face, which are numerous. I can hide behind social media. I can hide and be listening to this message. I am be doing something else. I'm not focusing. Can you do that in church? The atmosphere alone, so charged, is to arrest you. Somebody else around you will challenge you there's a mountain of education Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 it says "Train them in the way they should go tomorrow they will not depart from it so what are we doing as a specialization in entering cosmos by going to indoctrinate children pick them from young missionary schools are dead missionary teachers are dead nobody wants to go into the field of teaching for Christ's sake to create a people we will not come tomorrow and say there is no God. To create a people who will witness the raw power of God from childhood, it will become so compelling. That will be their reality. Some of us are doing some of these things today. It didn't start today. We started in godly homes that molded us. We, we sat under godly teachers that taught us. I was speaking with someone. I said how, how I learned to read English language was by reading my small Gideon's Bible I pray for you today brother Paul I don't know where you are may God bless you and this is my little story as a 4 or 5 year old I enrolled in church and it was church brother Paul was a Sunday school teacher in my church back then and it was his life vocation to teach children how to read and write he was doing it for free only that we would provide our lunch. And you bring your lunch to class. And it will teach you how to read and write. It taught me how to read and write. By reading that small Gideon's Bible. That pocket-sized Bible that we put in our back pocket. It taught me to read English language. By reading that Gideon's Bible. It molded my mindset. My worldview. From that tender age. It trained a child in the way he should go. And now, we cannot depart from it by the grace of God. Because he has built us. And upon us, he's building other people. Train a child. Train a child. There were Muslims in that class back then. He taught us with the same templates. He taught us with the Bible. He taught us to read English by reading the Bible. He taught us, of course, mathematics too. But he taught us English by reading the Bible. Media, what are we doing about the mountain of media? Second Peter 2, verse 8. He spoke about Lot. He said, That righteous man, his righteous spirit was grieved, vexed, tormented by the things that he both heard and saw. Why? There was no alternative, no alternative. You know, it's media that shift narratives and change the views you have, they desensitize you to the many shocking evil it's happening around you i was speaking with a colleague during the week and he mentioned something that most of us don't pay attention to you know when cross dressers started coming uh it was shocking for many people but today it's not very shocking we see the so-called bob of this world the jess brown of this world we see them now we, we've we've become used to them that they're just like that we make excuses for them Oh, they are just trying to make money and before you knew it comedians enter the place so of course you know they don't do that full-time but they create a character a man wearing wearing women's clothes even though the man is carrying beards. I'm wondering at the sickness of our minds and we have become so used to this anomaly we now laugh at it guess what the devil is getting us so it desensitizes you by offering something in your face. It looks innocuous, not harmful, but your mindset is changing. Now, if you see it, it doesn't mean much to you because it's now normal. The abnormal has become the norm, thanks to media. And what do we do? We we'll complain. We don't put our own alternatives out there. Thank God for Mount Zion and the rest who we'll go out there and show us alternatives. TV stations run by churches that show us alternative that said TV doesn't have to be obscene. It doesn't have to be about naked women and naked men and noisy, violent people. It doesn't have to be. We must create a people who specialize in this area on behalf of the kingdom to advance the kingdom. The mountain of arts and entertainment. Do we have people there? Oh, we thank God for the Gospel uh, ministers, the Duceo Echons of this world, the Nathaniel Baptists of this world, the Sinatra of this world, who are going out there to say, we have something in the kingdom, something valuable. Of course, we have so many of them, many more, too many that than I can mention, doing great things for the Lord, doing great things for the Lord. Whether it's in the prayer ministry, whether it's in the singing ministry, they go out there and show the art of the kingdom to the world glory and the lord continue to bless them but we need to recruit more people under these fathers under these areas of specialization that their numbers can be made for accountability purposes so we can know everyone we can know the people on these mountains the people on the mountain of business do we have christian ceos entrepreneurs you see there's one thought that worries me that scares me in fact would we survive If Ishmael from tomorrow refuses to sell goods and services to us today, would we survive? Let us think. Ishmael produces everything we eat. Offers all the services we are used to. If Ishmael in Babylon decides that Zion will no longer buy from me, I will not sell to Zion. Would we not starve? It's time to raise kingdom businessmen Not just for the financial angle. No. It's for the sustenance angle. Businessmen in the church. In the church mentored by prophets and apostles. The leaders of the church. We must mentor them. We must create that system. To create businessmen. Train them in the ways of the kingdom. That they can go out there and create businesses for our sustenance. And demonstrate to the world that business can be done with integrity. That you don't have to cut corners. I've only done one specialization and it's over one hour. If you indulge me, please. Let me rush through the two remaining specializations. I mean the two remaining strategies. Strategies. Strategy one, develop a lot of specializations. Strategy two, respect your ranks. This one is very key. The Bible said, let me read 1 Corinthians um, 12. Let's go to... Verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12. Bible says, In the body. Yeah, from 27. Say, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Hmm? Verse 28 is my emphasis. It says, And God has set some in the church. First, apostles. Secondarily, really prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then, gifts of healings, helps, governments, and governments or leadership. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are gifts to the body. Diversities of tongues are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. He's saying here that in this kingdom, verse twenty-eight, he said there is hierarchy. There is hierarchy in this kingdom. If you go and read, and I don't have time, Exodus chapter 18, verse 25 to 26. Moses, upon the advice of Jethro, his father-in-law, created captains of 50, of 100, captains of a thousand. You need to create different ranks. Different ranks. Why? Because we are not all the same. Yes, each specialization, if you read that number's two that were studying each specialization as somebody that was called a leader of that specialization father help us the body of Christ must understand this very strategic necessity for leaders in these various areas of grace and anointing we are differently graced I'm telling you and we don't also have the same rank even if you have the same kind of grace there are people who are your seniors Know your seniors Otherwise you will be competing with the people You should be learning from Know your seniors Know them Is it the area of education There are people in the church that God has put forward And he has established them in government To lead this sector This subsector of the kingdom Called Education Mountain Identify them, work with them Don't go and start your own Work with them Everybody wants to be geo or something leader of this ministry, leader of that ministry somebody has started it, can you keen and support what they are doing you must be accountable to somebody that's why I said count to the soldiers under each leader, you must be accountable God has gifted you in this area go and identify your father and submit and identify your father in that area submit, so that you can grow so that you can be an effective soldier the third strategy is coordination and this is very closely linked to the strategy we we took before which is to respect your ranks because if you don't respect ranks you will break ranks you will run before it's your time observe verse uh, from that numbers chapter 2 observe verse 3 verse 10 verse 18 verse 25 he said there is a east side south side the west side the north side don't just attack without coordination you will be wasted if you attack like that. And we are being wasted. Say, so be coordinated. There must be some overseers, some general overseers, some bishops, some leaders of the fold that will get us into those formations. I said, so you will be the first to attack first. Sometimes we go too soon and we, we get wasted. Observe also that the assault was coordinated. It was Judah that went first, verse 9. Judah went first went first oh praise is a weapon you don't know we will come to weapons next week or next two weeks in fact next week we will do weapons for personal battles then we will now go on the mental level and we will now go next upper week we will now go to weapons uh, on a on a, uh, family level on a corporate level on a personal level also we will not go to that but observe here that it was praise that went first first 9 then of course you see verse 14 to 16 verse 23 to 24 you see verse 29 to 31 as other truths were not going we suffer defeats, not because we don't have weapon but because we break ranks wrongfully and without coordination the body of Christ we must go back to the place of strategy these strategies are in scriptures they are for our own good if we don't follow these strategies the church much as it's supposed to be a movement against hell. The hell, the kingdom of darkness will be seen to be making progress against us. In fact, coming to depopulate people from the church as we see today. May that not, not, may that not happen to our army in the name of Jesus Christ. Our time is up. I need us to pray. Just pray this one prayer point before I, I wrap up. Ask that the Lord will raise leaders in each family or each specialization. As that the Lord will raise leaders upon each of these mountains of influence. And we are doing our GKC on give me this mountain. I don't know if you want to begin to pray that now. Lord, I'm ready to serve. But you don't have to choose me. If you find somebody more ready, more willing, more motivated, Lord raise leaders. That's what we need. When the leaders come, what we do, we count. Pray. Pray that prayer one minute, pray that prayer one minute, pray that prayer one minute, this is kingdom business, it is not personal business, pray that prayer, Lord in this kingdom, Lord raise for us leaders upon each mountain of influence, that we will fulfill the strategic intent in your mind, to evangelize the world, to transform the world, to establish the reign of the Christ upon earth. in the name of Jesus Christ, help us as a people. Help us that we will not lose focus. That we will not prioritize other things above that strategic intent of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, help us as a people to be discerning. To understand the times. To know what is Israel ought to do and to do it. Raise men of Issachar. A people who have discernment and who can train others on what to do. Who will stand as leaders of the people. Who will provide coordination. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I pray with my hands lifted. Unto God our Father. The man of war himself. Oh Lord Jesus. Please raise for us. A people who understand what to do. A people who approach this warfare. From a strategic point of view. Who leverage the resources at our disposal. Including our weapons. Rightfully. In the name of Jesus Christ. I will receive from you. The one who has overcome, victory, like he overcame, we shall overcome too. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Put your hands together for Jesus. Celebrate your maker. God bless you. Listen to the announcements that we come after. And please join us next week as we go to the next step in this series called The Army of God. God bless you. Put your hands together for Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Daudel Street of Eric Mossulary Lagos. God bless you.